If it doesn't start with God, it will always end in disappointment. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. I don't know about you, but November um, happens to be one of my favorite months of the year, uh, specifically the 24th day of this month, which also happens to be my birthday. My address is 125 Jefferson Street, Hallsville, Kentucky, 42348. But I specifically love Thanksgiving because it is a time when we can remember and we can rejoice what God has done for us. And I know some of you are already singing the Christmas music. You got it playing on your radio. You got it going on your phones. And I'm not going to criticize you other than to say that I think you're wrong. It's the day after Thanksgiving when this happens. But I do believe, regardless of the season it is, we have something to be thankful for in Christ, do we not? And Philippians 2 lays out what it means to be thankful for what we have in Christ. Let's look at that together, beginning in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others." I feel like if I just read verses three and four about 10 more times out loud, maybe we'll all get convicted and that'll be the sermon for today. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others." had trouble with sermon preparation this week because I couldn't get past verses 3 and 4 in my own life. You think about what God commands us to do. And for some of you today who maybe you're, you're not believers or you've grown up in church, but you're not really sure where you are with your faith right now, this is what separates Christianity from everything else in the world. To do nothing out of selfishness in a world that says it's all about you God says it's not about you. It's about the spreading of his kingdom and the advancement of his glory in a society that is constantly dealing with me, myself, and I, what Sigmund Freud determined as the id, the ego, and the superego. And he was on to something. He just didn't go all the way that left to yourself. Each of us will be self-protecting. Each of us will look after our own self-interest rather than after the interests of others. It's why when you put someone before a jury on trial, they have to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because if they were left to themselves, they would do everything in self-interest. It's why Abraham, our patriarch, when he's 
threatened by the Egyptians, says, have Sarah. She is not my wife. She is my sister. That's self-protection. When Jacob decides, even though God has told him that he will receive the birthright, he decides to trick Esau and take it into his own hands. That is self-interest. When Peter is there before the Lord and he says, you will deny me. And Peter says, I'll never deny you. And then he goes out and does that in order to protect himself. That is self-interest and self-protection. And the great challenge for each of us is to live in a selfish world selflessly. You know, the ancients thought of the universe revolving around the earth. And so if you look outside at night, they would think all of these planets, all of these stars revolving around us. And they found out that was not the case. In fact, we are revolving around the sun annually. And apart from gravity and centrifugal forces and atmospheric pressure holding us together, we would be outspinning in that atmosphere. That in fact, if you were to look at the whole universe together and look at a, a speck of a dot, it would not even compare with the infinite smallness that you and I have in God's universe. And yet we try to make ourselves big. I'm reminded of the story of the kid on the basketball team who was somewhat of a ball hog. He was always shooting the shots. He never passed the ball. One day the coach pulled him aside and he said, look, son, there's no I in team. The guy looked at him for a second and he said, yeah, but there is an M and there is an E. He didn't play the rest of that game. We live in a world that says, be true to yourself, even if what you believe is false. Do what you want even at the expense of others. Define your own standards of right and wrong, and whatever you do, don't let anybody else define those standards, even if it's God. And in that world, Jesus says, the first shall be last, the way up is the way down, and he who would be greatest among you had better first make himself a servant unto all. We live in a social media age of platforms where people who have no notoriety whatsoever can get 250,000 followers on Instagram and a million views on YouTube and all of the likes on Facebook. And it can become this addictive world where you live solely to receive recognition for what you say and what you do. Michael Hyatt recently wrote a New York Times best-selling book called Platform, how you can increase your platform and your brand and your sales and your life. Not wrong by itself, but we have to understand if you are a believer in Christ, your platform is not for you, it is for Jesus. We live for His glory and His honor and His praise. Amy Carmichael, great missionary to India, who was known as a strong orphan advocate, important to recognize her on Orphan Sunday. When she was found after she had passed from this earth, they found all of these photos, but not one photo of herself. She didn't have a selfie stick. She didn't have a ton of, of pictures of her own. All she had was pictures of those she had helped, those in need. Amy Carmichael impacted a generation for Christ, she was an invisible and clear glass to God. She used her platform for his name to be exalted, for her to decrease. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Pride is what brings us down. 
trouble with most of us is to get us to admit that we are wrong. It's always someone else's fault. We're always the victim. The Bible says in Proverbs that if anyone thinks he's wise in his own eyes, there is more hope for a fool than for him. And yet how often we live apart from the presence of God, how often we live selfishly. He tells us to do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but count others as more significant than yourselves. If you live selfishly or if you live in conceit, you're always going to be trying to get ahead of another person at their expense, or you're always going to be envious of another person because what they have and what you don't, you perceive to be better than yours. And so you're mad about that. So the King James refers to this as to esteem others better than yourself, that if you want to see the way to greatness in God's kingdom, it is through learning to serve, that that is the ultimate test of leadership, doing the hard thing and then putting the needs of others ahead of yourself to consider the other person's circumstances. Because real greatness is when you begin to invest in other people and you begin to plant trees, the shade of which you will not sit under, but generations after you will. Sometimes we think of investing in the younger generation, but it also means investing in our generation, investing in others, knowing that their influence will carry on in the spears that God has given them. To consider the other person's circumstances, when somebody comes at you, are you defensive? Are you angry? Or do you step back and consider, you know, maybe they're going through something that I don't know anything about. Let each of you look not for his own interest, but for the interest of others. And the way that you do that is by doing everything in humility. This is the key to the whole passage. This is the key, frankly, to the ministry of Christ. The humble person cares about others. He must increase, but I must decrease. That the most important words we can learn in this life are please and thank you. That in doing so, we give a sacrifice that is pleasing unto God, poured out as a drink offering, a a love offering with our lives, saying, God, it is a blank check with what you would have me to do to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's important to remember in a sexualized age. If it doesn't start with God, it will always end in disappointment. If it doesn't start with God, it will always end in disappointment. That's why the scripture says, not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, but unto your name be praised. The way that we look at this is through the example of Christ. And he begins to describe, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. When they came at Jesus, could he not have said, don't they know who I am? I'll show them. They'll never look at me that way again. But he didn't. He refused to abuse the power that his father gave him. What about you? If somebody were to adopt your attitude, I'm not saying your viewpoints, but your attitude, the way that you 
act and react to others. Would that be a good thing? Attitude towards yourself and your attitude towards other people. Adrian Rogers used to say, you want to see what a believer is. Don't measure them by their actions. Measure them by their reactions. Measure a cup of water when it's filled and tipped. See what spills out. That's what's in us. Jesus comes to us in humility, lays aside everything of the Father on our behalf. They didn't play my song today. I don't think I'll come back. Didn't highlight my pet calls. God in heaven surely must be saying, really? Do you feel yourself getting defensive when somebody accuses you of something? Do you always have to justify your actions because you think you have to keep your kingdom together? Jesus can free you from that. Because outside of him, what is there really? Like what Scott Saul said in his new book, From Weakness to Strength, King Jesus, whose kingdom is forever and whose government will always increase, who looks at every square inch of his universe and declares, mine wins this right by sacrificing himself. He gains exaltation by taking the low position. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, took off his royal robe and placed it upon us. He handed us his sword, making himself vulnerable to us, and we used it against him. But he did not strike back. Instead, he did nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility counted us more significant than himself, looking not to his own interests, but to the great need of a humanity dying from a fixation on itself. Jesus, dwelling with the Father in everlasting glory, is raised again to everlasting glory, and he goes through a cross to get there. So must we. So what is it that you have to have? What is it that you want? Because everything you need, Jesus has already given to you. You just need to be reminded of it. Of the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Athanasius, the early church father, said he became what we are that he might make us what he is. Make us more like Christ. Spurgeon said it well, till we get rid of selfishness, we shall never feel constant joy. And so how do we move from selfishness to selflessness? I think we remember the Trinitarian Godhead that we serve. We remember the goodness of God the Father, that it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good. His mercy is forever and His truth endureth to all generations. And the psalmist says over and over again, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that the greatest testimony of our faith is that we serve a God of love. He's good to His children. So we remember the goodness of God. Then we remember the sacrifice of Christ who laid aside everything on our behalf. This is Veterans Day weekend. I've been watching a special, if you've seen, a Band of Brothers. came out years and years ago. It's a 10-part series on the Allied advance of the European front. follows 
easy company. There's a little bit of language and violence in there, so you have to be careful with that. But at one point, one of the sergeants is addressing a private who, who got lost after landing, storming the beaches at Normandy, got lost, got separated, and just frankly, he says he got scared and he wasn't able to join up, wasn't able to do anything. And the sergeant was trying to encourage him, and he said, do you know why you didn't react? You know why you didn't do anything? Because you thought that you were still alive. He said, what you don't realize is you have to come into this willing to give your life. You have to come into this as if you're dead. And when you're dead, that's when you're willing to go on in spite of the fear. Well, the Bible says a similar thing to us. It tells us that our old man has been crucified with Christ, that we are now dead in sins, and God has made us alive in him, and this life is not our own. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if your life doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What is it but to give it all to him? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he tells us to remember the work of the Spirit. Sometimes we have different measurements for how we track growth in the church. And yes, we want to see offerings increase. And yes, we want to see more people come. Because more people coming represents more lives being changed. But ultimately what we want to see is we want to see people right here, people right here, becoming more like Jesus each and every day. A congregation that is all in for Christ that has written him a blank check with our lives. Anything he asks us to do, we're willing to do. That is the church that God uses. That is the people that he blesses. It said Joe DiMaggio, the famous Yankee who hit the longest hitting streak, who had a great average in home runs and RBIs and a reputation as an all-star, after he retired, took his son to a game and when they saw he and his son came in, they sat down, fans noticed him, and everybody stood up and cheered. And the, the son was right in front of him, and he looked around and he said, Daddy, he said, all these people are cheering for me. Joe DiMaggio looked at him and said, yeah, they are, son, even though he knew better. That's what we do when we try to live selfishly and we try to take credit for whatever God has given us. We say, all these people looking out for me, God of this universe says, I'm the only one who deserves the glory. I'm the only one who deserves the honor. I'm the only one who deserves the praise. And when we begin to live with a selfless spirit rather than a selfish spirit, when we begin to clothe ourselves in humility, to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, that is when the gospel is carried out. That is when we become more like the Christ who died Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.